So we are in the middle of a series, actually we're concluding it next week, we're on the tail end of it, uh, called Backyard Conversations. And uh, the idea behind this, why there's a Weber grill on the stage, a hammock, and some cute lights uh, hanging around here, uh, this is not our normal attire, but I can dig it, um, is we're really trying to channel this idea of backyard conversations. What is it like when you're on the back porch, your back patio, whatever you got back there, and you're talking to a trusted friend, and you're opening up and you're sharing your heart with them? What does that look like in What kind of things are you dealing with there? And so we've been going through a book of the Bible that really speaks to all of that. It's a small book. It's only four chapters long. It's called Philippians. And Philippians is a a book that was written specifically to a church in the city of Philippi. A guy named Paul wrote it to them. Now, this church is really special, and especially special, if you can... How many specials can I use in a sentence? A lot of speciality going on there because of this. It's the first European church. It's the first church to move from, it doesn't have the history of the Jewish culture. It doesn't have a grounding in the Old Testament at all. It doesn't know any of the stories. If you said Abraham, David, Isaac, Isaiah, Samuel to these guys, they'd be like, who are you? What are you talking about? This church, when this letter is written, is probably only five to ten years old. So imagine it's brand new. Christianity is only like 20 years old. Right? So there's no history here. There is no frame of reference. There is nothing. And Paul is writing this letter really to kind of speak into their lives, catch them up on 10,000 years of history, and to say, "Okay, okay, okay, here's this God who loves you and cares for you, wants more for you. And he's, he's unpacking what it looks like to follow after Jesus to people who have no frame of reference of this Yahweh God. Their frame of reference for gods is Zeus and uh, Hercules and all these kind of stories. And there's a huge difference between the way that Yahweh works, the God of the Bible, and these Greek gods. The Greek gods are always self-serving. If you ever you know, watch a movie, you, you uh, read the Odyssey, you do any of those things, these gods are always self-serving and they're more than likely to knock a human up in the story and, and, and just do all kinds of weird things. Where in the scripture, God is always trying to help them uh, people out. He's always interceding into their life to help them. In the in the Greek gods, they're always like, well, how, they're pawns on a chessboard to how they can get what they want. And there's this huge diametric difference, even in the thought process of Hebrew thought and Greek thought. And we're going to kind of unpack that today and what that has to do for us in the issue that all of us deal with. And it's the issue of anxiety. It's the issue of how do we deal when life feels like it's spinning out of control? Because in my life, the puppies still pee on the ground. In my life, the car breaks down. In my life, kids go out of control. Maybe, maybe you guys got it all figured out. I'm the only one that's got these issues. But sometimes you feel just like you're off center 
And you get more off center, and then things just keep on bumping you and hitting you, and you're going out of control, and all of a sudden now you're having an anxiety attack. And just saying. There's a difference between being stressed, and there's a difference between being depressed, and a difference between having anxiety. And so we're just going to kind of center in on anxiety. Being stressed is not a bad thing. Beautiful things come out of stress. Diamonds come out of stress. Wonderful things. People rise to wonderful new occasions when they are stressed. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about anxiety. And the Greek word for anxiety means this. It means to fall to pieces. That's, that's what, it, what it actually means, to fall to pieces. And as we start thinking about that, like, oh, wait a minute. I can... Can, I, can, I can start to place these things, to fall to pieces. In Philippians 4, Paul starts to talk about this. He says, this is a, a powerful scripture. It's verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Do not be anxious about anything. Don't have anxiety about anything. Don't fall to pieces about anything, but instead, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And so as we take on this idea of pieces, I want to kind of encapsulate that today, kind of think about that this morning. And I got several objects, I'm not even going to draw something, we'll play Pictionary here in a second, but as we start to Think about that, what that means for us. I'm going to need you guys to help me here today, okay? You guys up for that? Um, We're going to play a game. And the biggest and strongest wins. So I'm excited to play with you guys. Um, So so that's what's going to happen. But the main thought for today, the tweetable moment, whatever you want to go with that is this. When we are pulled in many directions, we cannot go in any direction. When we're pulled in many directions, we can't go in any direction. Now, as I look at Paul during this, we are two men who specialize in doing a lot of things very quickly. They might, you know, we might get headstrong with it once in a while. We made a good team this week. We put a roof on a thing. We only, we have all our fingers and toes and no nails punctured anything. So, but we do that. And we go many, many, many directions all at once. And sometimes, I know, Paul, you and I have to slow down and say, what was I doing? How do I get there? Where do I go from here? Because when we start doing eight different projects at a time, guess who's just standing in the same spot and nothing is getting accomplished? You guys wouldn't know anything about that. All your dishes are done in your sink this morning. Right? <laughs> Everybody's like, why, why are you guys bringing that up? I got a game here. My mom uh, did a, uh, gave me this game. I've never used it because I think it's a death trap. Chris? Yeah, so we're going to play it in church. Chris, come here. Grab the yellow one. Theo, can you come here? Grab the blue one. All right. So the object, you, you guys just stand there. We're not going to play. If you can scoot over a little bit more so everybody can see. The object is you, put the, you step inside the inner tube. And you all have a ball in your hand, and there's a basket, four baskets. And you're supposed to pull to get to the basket from inside and dunk the the basketball. And the first one to do this is the winner. This is a concussion waiting to happen. Whoever designed this said never played anything with Jared Hauser. Okay? (laughs) Had never, had never even touched it. So it's these crazy inner tubes that you pull and you stretch. And you can imagine what would it look like if, if I'm playing against these guys. 
right? I could just fall over and pull them over. That would be it, w- it would be cheating. Thank you, guys. You can sit down. So we, we, we do this in life. It's when we live our lives in pieces, what actually happens is whatever demands the most of our attention off-centers all of it. If this center point is our... There was a center point. There's a center point. If this is what our life is, we're constantly getting pulled out of center. And maybe some of you right now are like, that is exactly what I feel like. Because if this one represents money, and this represents our family, and this represents our spirituality, it's all getting pushed. And whatever's the weakest of them will be left behind and just kind of follow willy-nilly with the rest of them. I think about that, I... We do this, right? And this is the epitome of actually Greek thought. That you would have be separated in different ways. It's not that pretty of a picture if you don't, can't see it. <clears throat> that we be separated. This is why um, the scripture translates the passage, Love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That mind, soul, strength, that's a Greek thought of separating yourself out. Of that this part is me, this part is me, this part is me, and this part is me. And there's a problem with that. Because actually in Hebrew thought, in Judaism, where we get Christianity from, it's one. It's, a, it's a, not even a pie. You're not separating in any shape, way, or form. It's, your, it's God. It's work. It's family. It's kids. It's all together. Does this make sense? It's all one person. You don't separate yourself. In our society today, we have people pulling on us in different ways. It's very uncouth to be a Christian at work sometimes. Hey, you leave your spirituality somewhere else, but don't bring it here. If you're a school teacher, I know the struggle that you have with this. I had a teacher today, or not yesterday, um, put on Facebook, I'm so excited, I had a kid this week tell me that they found Jesus. Like, this is a very devout, she's like, I can't say anything, but the kid said, Mrs. Zomer, can I tell you something? Yeah, what is it? I became a Christian this week. Oh my goodness. Now the door's open so you can start talking. But she's like, before she's like, mm-hmm. you know, I, when my wife was a kindergarten teacher, I was sure she's going to get fired as a kindergarten teacher. Cause I mean, you teach the Christmas stuff. You go, this is, she would do all the ones that she was required to, but Christmas has this little extra. Well, why, what is Jesus? Well, Jesus is, thank you for asking the question. I was like, well, I'm okay. If my wife gets fired for that, I'm good. We'll deal with that. But there's this, there's, there's this push, right? Money's pulling us one way. Our, you know, you are in the stock market. This week was like a Rolaids Fiesta, right? We, we're, we're at Cedar Point roller coaster. And it's pulling us all these different ways. And if you are putting more stock in one or the other, something else is going to lose. And this is what anxiety is. Is when you pull, when the, the pieces are being pulled so hard... That something breaks. My last anxiety attack happened in this office about a year ago. Vaughn was there. She didn't know what to do. She kind of, I gave her an anxiety attack for me having an anxiety attack. It was the day that one of my former students passed away. 
And I didn't know what, and it wasn't just that, but I didn't know how to take care of her. I didn't know how to take care of their family. I didn't know how to take care of our church because we had things going on here. I didn't know how to take care of my family. I didn't know how to afford to get down there. I did all this stuff. And I'm sitting at the copier and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, this is exciting. I'm either, something bad's happening right now. And I'm having an anxiety attack in the middle of the office. And maybe one or two, eight of a hundred of you have all experienced that same thing at time when I'm trying to manage all of these things at the same time and filling the pull that your life breaks into pieces. And Paul is specifically targeting that. He's specifically talking to that point because remember what I said at the beginning is the the Greek people do not have any clue what a Hebrew mindset is. The Hebrew mindset is you are one. You're one. And Paul says, Paul's coming at it. He's trying to teach him 10,000 years of Jewish history in one sentence, which is pretty impressive. He's saying, no, you can't think of it this way. Don't be anxious. Don't be in different pieces. You have to be one. And how do you get to one? With prayer and petition to God. When you center yourself in prayer to God, you get to be one. So therefore, when you go to work, you're the same person. When you go to school, you're the same person. When you're dealing with your money and your finances, your, your spirituality is heavily influencing all of that. Wherever you go, whatever you do, you are one. Now you might, ah, Jerry, I'm not two-faced in that. I know, but you act totally different at work than you do here. You might speak totally different to me than you do to your friends. What does that look like? I love it. I love it. When I get someone just raw or someone who doesn't know I'm a pastor and they just talk to me and we'll be talking about something and we'll get into a backyard type conversation about something deep. And then all of a sudden they ask me the, the, the answer or they bring it up or what did you do? And I'm like, well, it comes out that I'm a pastor and they get this look on their face like, oh man, I need to apologize for the last half an hour of talking. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 no. You are who you are. And we're, we're working on that. That's what we're talking about now. I love it. It's like when we are friends. I had worked on a large staff, and we were all talking about uh, like how late we can go into a dinner party without actually introducing ourselves as pastors, because then the party all changes. And uh, we we were talking about it, just laughing about it, because we want people to be genuine and real. I love it when I walked over to Tracy's house one time for a birthday party and it was just genuine realness because I'd lived here probably a week. No one knew me anyway. And I just got to be me with people. And that's how we should be walking into any type of situation, just being who we are. No agenda. No, nothing else. Because when we start to... We start to break it apart with different agendas and different, I play this role at work because I got to get ahead. I got to play this part here because I got to do this. And I got to play this part here. Isn't it exhausting? You got to remember the story you told. It's not necessarily that you're lying. You just got to remember like, and scene. Okay. (laughs) Right? Because I, I mean, high school teaches you this. You're one person in sport and you're one person in that class. Like the class you don't have any of your friends in, you're like, well, this is going to be really boring if I don't become somebody in here. So all of a sudden, homeroom, and all the H's were not in any of my other classes. And so I'm in there, I'm a totally different person. But Jerk Jerry would never talk to them during regular class. 
The same thing happens here. Like, oh, those are my church friends. We're just going to keep them there. You might be 60 years old. That's my church group. That's my life group. We're different. But when we do this, we're totally different. You guys understand what I'm saying. Anxiety. This is a picture of anxiety. I don't know if you've ever thought of it that way before. Because it's being pulled into pieces. When you're pulled in many directions, you can't go in any direction. When we move faith from being part of who you are to who you are, life changes. How do we do that? How do we go about it? Philippians 4, verse 4 says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, what situation? Every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, the shalom of God, the wholeness of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, there's three words here that we need to talk about. We've talked about anxiety pretty in-depthly. This rejoice word, I usually just gloss it over. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. There's an old song when I was little that that was like the whole song was rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. And so I kind of... When I get to that part in the scripture, I just blank out because the seven-year-old Jared arrives. But as I studied rejoice this week, I was blown away. Rejoice actually means to have joy in grace. That's to be glad about grace is what it, if you literally break down the word, kairos, and, and there, there it is. Well, what's grace? It is the redemption of us. It is to be glad about what God has done in our lives. So when Paul is writing, he's saying, yo, be glad about what God has done in your life. This anxiety thing's not in a vacuum. He's talking about all the stuff. This is how he's concluding the whole book. And he's saying, wait, 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 wait. Before we go any farther, before we end, I have to say this to you. Be glad about what God has done in your life, how he saved you, how he's transformed you, how he's taken you out of whatever junk, whatever mess, whatever cesspool you were stuck in. Be glad about it. Then you, you put that with anxiety. Don't fall into pieces. Remember, don't fall into pieces because we're glad about grace. Don't fall to pieces because we're glad about grace. Does this make sense? And then he ends it. He's got this little, it's like he knew what he was doing. And then he's got this other thing here. He pairs it with peace, with shalom, the wholeness of God. He takes a very Jewish idea of wholeness and peace and shalom. He says, don't fall to pieces, but be whole in the peace of God. Is this, you guys following me here? So he's kind of given them the whole action step right there in a few words that we kind of miss because we read it. And if you've been a Christian a long time, I can't underline this anymore. I will tear my Bible up. Like it's, it's in different colors and it's, it, you know, highlight everything because this, I always pounded my head. But he takes this kind of verse that if you've been a Christian for a long time, it's like, oh yeah, don't be anxious. Yeah, it's another goal that I can't ever do. Right? I, you just got anxious about me telling you, don't be anxious. Fail to be a Christian now. No, 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 no. You can't fail at it because it's who you are. You only fail at it if it's a part of you that's pulling. 
Just let that sit for a second. You can't fail at it. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. It's who you are. And if you're going to be whole, you let the peace of God reign in your life, not falling to pieces. When we're pulled in many directions, we can't go in any direction. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Right there, when you see that, you can say the God of wholeness will be with you. Do you, you understand that what he's doing here with these word pictures? It's, it's pretty beautiful. But in speaking to anxiety, in speaking into being separate, he said, whoa, 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 whoa. How do we do that? We start thinking about what is actually true. We start thinking about what is actually important. We start thinking about what is right, what is, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable, whatever is excellent. Think about it. Ponder it. Know it, and then the God of wholeness will be with you. So instead of thinking about all the negative things that this person is tugging at your life and pulling it away, what is true? What is admirable? Instead of being pulled by, by this piece over here of, I can't make enough money and I'm, I'm drowning in debt and all these things. Whoa, 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 what is true? I got a job. I'm working on it. I have two jobs. I'm working as hard as I possibly can. I'm going to get through this. This is what's true. You see how that, that shifts the thinking of it. Don't be anxious because that means you're just falling to pieces. That means you're, you're separated in your heart, but let the God of wholeness reign in you. The God of peace be with you. So how do we get there? How do we work on it? How does it go from here? How do I move into that? How do I step into that? This is nice thinking, Jared, but you don't know my life. You're absolutely correct. But I got some ways to start getting there. And like I said, I don't do this perfectly, but I'm trying very hard because I'm tired of playing different faces at different places. It's a Greek thought, the Greek idea. It pervades our education system. It pervades everything that we're supposed to do. It pervades how we're supposed to act in government. It's wrong. It's not biblical. It creates hypocrites. It creates falsities. How do we become one? First step is we receive it. Some of us are going, yeah, it sounds nice, but it's kind of like going to the doctor and getting your, uh, you know, your cholesterol done. And it's like, you really shouldn't eat any more cheeseburgers. And you're going to pound four of them today at the block party. Right? Or uh, we, we, we do that over and over again. Or uh, the diabetic and says, ah, oh, you can't have uh, any uh, strawberry cake, dad. <clears throat> and you can't have that anymore. But all of a sudden the whole thing's gone and you haven't had a slice yet. 
Hey, are you are you alive? Are you in some sort of sugar shock right now? It's like we know it, we've heard it, but we haven't received it. We haven't put it into practice yet. We need to receive it. Receive that we can be one in life. We can receive that this God of peace can actually reign in our hearts, not pulling us in 18 different directions. The second thing is to know it. Know God. I think this has a two-prong attack. You got to know where you're weakest at. Know where you like to segment yourself. Maybe that requires like, there's, I, don't, I need to kind of have a reveal party with these people in my life because I am somebody that they don't even know I am. I need, I need to be more genuine in who, who I am with that. And maybe that retracts some relationships and maybe that expands some relationships. But you have to know who you really are. And know where you're weakest at. This also goes with you can't understand and know and experience the God of wholeness if you don't know the God of wholeness. There's a reason Paul says, don't be anxious about anything, but instead be in prayer and petition about everything. And the God of peace, be in prayer, spend time with him. How we become one is by searching his heart to correct our heart. We have to step into that. We have to get to know him. He has given us his scripture, his word, and it is available to us in so many different ways. It is mind boggling. On your phones right now, you can download an app called YouVersion. It's totally free. It's a scripture. You can actually download about 75 different translations. You can read it in Russian if you're so inclined. All from the convenience of your smartphone. It'd be the most positive thing you do with your phone all day. In a couple weeks, we're going to have an app out that will have it on there too. Very excited about the app. I I spoiled it. It's going to be a surprise later. Um... And then also, if you need a Bible, you don't have a Bible. You're like, I don't have a Bible. There is all kinds of Bibles underneath these seats. Take one with you. If you have eight sitting at home collecting dusk, don't take one of our Bibles. But if you need a new Bible, if you need, you never had a Bible, take one of those. I'm glad if all of them are gone in the sanctuary. That's a purchase I am more than willing to make. Okay? We want you to get to know this God. And you can't get to know him if you don't pray and you don't read the scripture. You can't. That's the, he's, That's the way to get to know him. That's the way to get to know the the path to oneness with him. If I want to get to know my wife better, I probably should pay attention to her. Probably marriage advice there. If you needed that, pay attention. You got to talk to her. You got to get to know her. Check out her Facebook. Don't stalk her, but just check out what, what is she like? You know, if you're already married and you don't know what she likes, you've got issues and we can talk about those later. But you got to get to know him. You got to get to know God. Get into the scripture. And that's what he's talking about here. Remember, these are people that this is written to that have no frame of reference for all the beauty and all the stories and all the wonderful ways God had ridden to the rescue and saved these people over and over and over again. 
Maybe you have no frame of reference. This is the first time you ever came to church, and you have no idea what I am talking about. The only way to get to know this God who loves you intimately and is crazy about you and would stop at nothing to have a relationship with you is to get to know him, to talk to him. You can leave out the these and the thous and all that stuff. Just talk to him. It's a beautiful thing. Get to know him. And finally, this is probably my favorite one because it makes me feel it will relieve some of your anxiety about having anxiety. It's practice it. Did you catch the word practice in the scripture? At the end of verse 9, whatever you've learned and received or heard from me and seen in me, put it into practice. We're talking about practice. Alan Iverson is happy right now. Talking about practice. Why is this important? We get to practice it. Does that mean I have mastery of it? No. Does that mean I do it perfectly every time? No. There's a reason they call it practice. I'm practicing. I read this week that it takes 10,000 Hours of doing something before you can actually have mastery of it. 10,000. Now, you know my issues with math, but that I think that's over a year of 24 hours a day doing something. That's a lot. A lot. 10,000 hours. That's, that's devoting wholly of yourself to get mastery of it. If we are to put into practice all that Paul has told us here about being one with God, about having the central identity instead of being all split all over the place, instead of being broken into pieces, we have to put it into practice. It's something that we don't go, and this is probably the big fault of maybe communicators and, uh, and all of us. We, we want to use Jesus as like a TV infomercial. Like, try this. It'll cure all your problems. And then tomorrow our day is terrible and our marriage is falling apart. And all these things are happening. We're like, well, God didn't work and I walk out. It's not a sham wow. <laughs> you have to practice it. If I'm teaching Bowen how to, how to hit a wiffle ball and I throw it and he hits the first one a mile and then the second one, I'm like, well, I'm going to strike him out because I'm an uber competitive dad. And I, and I throw it low and inside, and he's not going to be able to hit it. And he swings and misses. I'm like, fine, I'm done with wiffle ball. That's how we treat God all the time. Oh, it didn't work. Must be broken. I'm out. We put it into practice. I love that. The, that was really the first time I've ever thought about this verse in the context of practice this week. Because I've struggled with this verse. Don't be anxious about anything, but give it all to prayer. And I stop. I never even thought about, put this into practice. Work on it over and over and over again. It's a self-evaluation. Am I dividing myself up? This week, I got to put it into practice. Satan did not want this block party to happen. I'm just saying People's computers are breaking. I got a puppy. Yeah, what was I thinking? My wife all of a sudden started working. That was unexpected. It's a blessing, but unexpected. I got kids. That, you know, kids get sick. My daughter with asthma gets a cough. That's always like heart rate goes up. We got all these things going on. We got to be put into practice. Who are we? 
Whenever we start starting to feel wobbly, why are we doing this? Why is it going on? What, What is happening here? We get to make through it. This week we succeeded. We haven't done that every week. But this week the practice worked. It got us through some really crazy times, really tough times, because we've been practicing being with God and letting him identify us. That who I am at work and who I am at home and who I am out in the community and who I am with my neighbors is the same man. That I didn't have to keep on juggling all the balls of who I was with Kelly and who I was over here and what I needed to do with this phone. No, no, no. There's no juggling involved when you're one. Bowen's very excited. He's juggling now. He takes a a tennis ball and he throws it up in the air and catches it. That's his juggling. May it always be so. Right? Because we're doing this and like a trick shot going on around here. And that's how our lives, it's a metaphor for our lives. How much easier is it just to grab one ball at a time as we are one? That's my prayer for us today, that, that we would put down all the, the almost different personalities that we have and become one in Christ. That we would take all of the stuff that we've got in our hearts and all the anxiety and all the stress and all the, the junk and say, God, I can't do it anymore. I can't be all these different faces. I can't be this hypocrite anymore. I need to be one. And how does that work? How does that happen? By surrendering our lives to God. In this, I'm letting money be in charge. I'm letting my kids be in charge. I'm letting work be in charge. I'm giving control to these other things. In this model, God is in charge. It's all His. Not to be broken in pieces, but to be one in the God of peace and the God of of wholeness. Today you may find yourself in a place that anxiety is running rampant in your life, that you feel like you're being torn in different pieces. When I just said at the very beginning of this message, anxiety means to be torn in pieces. You were like, that's me. It's time maybe to make a decision to give your life to the Lord. To give your life to God, a God who loves you and cares about you and is desperate to have a relationship with you because he doesn't want a life of multiple personalities. He wants a life of wholeness and of oneness with him for you. I don't know where you find yourself today, but I've been a Christian for a while in my life. And this is continually a prayer of my own life. God, that you would reign in my heart. That you would forgive me of all the junk in my life that keeps me from experiencing you and keeps me from having peace. I bet there's a lot of us that maybe have been Christians for 40, 50 years, maybe two years, that still feel the same way that we need to put this in practice and quit feeling like we've been defeated all the time, but it's something we're working on. For those of you who maybe want to take this step of being one with God today, that this 
is the kind of life that you, we've identified the issue. I've had anxiety. I've had, I've had stuff go on that I do. I feel like I'm in pieces. And today I want to I lead you in a prayer of just becoming one with God. So if everybody would bow your heads and close your eyes. If becoming one with God, if becoming, getting right with him today sounds like the idea that you, you want to dedicate your life to, that you're tired of being in pieces, that you want to be one, if that sounds okay to you, if that sounds like where you want to be in life, just raise your hand right now. No one's looking around except me. If that's you, raise your hand this morning. God, I feel like I'm falling into pieces. And I want peace in my life. Peace that only you, Jesus, can give me. I give my life to you and I ask you to forgive me of all the wrongs in my past. Please, Lord, take my life. I give you control. Lord, we give you all of it. We give you our life. We give you our devotion. In Jesus' wonderful name I pray. Amen.